All right, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 6, please. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to step away from our series on Sunday afternoons, Finding Calm in a Chaotic World, just for a couple of weeks as we focus on missions, and we'll get back to that in due time. But today, I want to just try to encourage you. I was talking to a man earlier today. We were just discussing um, being a witness, talking to people that are in your life, acquaintances and so on, and trying to give them the gospel. And uh, sometimes it can be a little discouraging uh, because people just seem to be so dead to the gospel and don't want to hear it or give time and attention to it. And, and you know, I could probably say honestly, that I've been somewhat a little, a little discouraged over the past couple months with our native ministry. Like we haven't, the last two, three months, we haven't seen any response at all. And, you know, that could be for a number of reasons. Um, summertime is very busy and things may change or they just may be the villages that we're, we're sending to. It's the, 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 Harvest field's not ripe, you know? Who knows all the reasons? Um, but it just sort of resonated with me today, just talking with a man in the church about the idea of being somewhat discouraged. And the truth is, the truth is, the devil is always trying to defeat and discourage. Always. Because he wants to defeat in the work of the Lord. And if he can dishearten God's people, if he can discourage God's people, then... Uh, we won't be used of the Lord like the Lord wants. And, and so the devil's always trying to do that. So I want to share some thoughts with you this afternoon. Just be brief with you. Just things that the Lord reminded me of and encouraged me with this week. And prayerfully, they'll be a blessing to you too. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I just want to talk to you this afternoon about not being weary. Be not weary. And let's... Go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into this here. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen and encourage us today with your word. Thank you for these principles and laws of God that never change, and for your faithfulness that we see in all of that. And so, Lord, I pray that you just encourage God's people today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are certain universal, immutable, and fixed spiritual principles or laws of God, things that don't ever, ever change. And God is a God who doesn't change. But these principles never change, and they're just as true today as they were when they were written 2,000 years ago, uh, or even before that, before the Scriptures were given. One of those laws is that God does save all who will place their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, repenting of their sin. That is a law that will never, ever change. God will always save a genuine soul 
that puts their faith in Christ and repents of their sin. There's never an exception. God will always do that. Another such law is that God's wrath burns hot against those who do not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That will never change. God is holy. God is unchangeable. And so there are many of these kinds of laws, fixed laws of God. And in our text this afternoon, in verse 7 specifically, there's a law of God that is given here. And the law is that a man will reap what he sows. Verse 7 says, For whatsoever, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That is a law of God that does not change. And we use the term, or the Word of God uses the term, sowing and reaping. And when we talk about sowing and reaping, those are agricultural terms. And we understand that, that if a farmer wants a harvest, he's got to sow the seed in his field. If you do not sow seed, there is not going to be a harvest. Uh, That is the simple fact. The kind, the quality, the quantity of that harvest, though, depends upon the kind, quality, and quantity of the seed that is sown. Um, You put corn seed in the ground, it's always going to produce corn. Uh, Weeds, seeds, always going to produce weeds. And we have lots of that in Alaska. It's it's in abundance. I don't know why people keep sowing weed seed, but they do. It seems like. But a strong, healthy seed is going to produce a strong, healthy crop. A bad seed is going to produce a bad crop. These are immutable, unchangeable laws. Jesus said that what we sow, if we sow bountifully, then we're going to also reap bountifully. If a farmer sows plentifully, he can expect a plentiful harvest. But if he sows sparingly, he's going to reap sparingly as well. These are principles that do not change. And that is a principle or a law in verse 7 that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, the parts that I really want us to focus on are verses 9 and 10. When we talk about be not weary, because verse 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We can't separate verse 9 from verse 7. That there is a principle and there is a law. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say that, hey, look, um, when you do well, there is going to come a crop that comes back that's also a good crop. And so I want us to focus in on this. And the first thing that I want to draw your attention to is the admonition in verse 9. The admonition, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The admonition of verse 9 is to not be weary. That is the instruction, that is the admonition. Don't be weary. But it comes with something, because he says... Here, don't be weary, or there's an admonition towards our duty. It says, he says, don't be weary in well-doing. Uh, duty is implied here in the phrase or the term well-doing. Don't be discouraged, don't be weary, don't be fainting in doing good. And so duty is implied here. The term well-doing simply means good, it means valuable, it means beautiful purpose or content. 
That's what the term well-doing means. So in other words, Paul is saying don't be weary in performing what is good and what is valuable and what is beautiful. Okay, everybody following that? Don't be weary in performing the thing that is good, the thing that is valuable, and the thing that is beautiful. Doing good or well-doing is our duty as born-again believers. The context of this statement that Paul is making here is sowing to the Spirit. That's the well-doing that he's talking about in verse 8. And so he says in verse 8, Be not deceived, or verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting, and let us not be weary in well-doing. And so sowing to the Spirit is the direct context of doing well here. But I would ask the question, what exactly is well-doing? What exactly is our duty? What is good? What is valuable? What is beautiful in the eyes of God? That Paul says, don't be weary in performing this in well-doing. Well, first of all, what is beautiful in the eyes of God is our obedience toward Him. Leviticus 22 and verse 31 tells us, Therefore shall ye keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. God gives His commandments for what purpose? That we would obey, that we would do them. Right? Otherwise, what's the point? Joshua, or excuse me, John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And it's talking about obedience to the Lord, and the commands of the Lord are many, yes. But the one that I want us to look at, and the one that I want us to focus on for just a moment, is the command of Jesus Christ to sow the seed of the gospel. In Matthew 28, you know the passage, but turn over there. Matthew 28. What I'm getting at, and I'll just jump ahead to the point, is that sowing the seed of the gospel is doing well. It's something that is valuable, something that is well-pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 28, in verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them all power. That's, again, you, you know this. If you've been around, that's the Greek word exousia. It means authority. So Jesus says all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, go ye therefore. Now he's transferring that authority, the authority that Jesus has. He's giving it to his church. And here's what you're supposed to do with it. Teach all nations. It means make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What is the, the thing that is the focus of Jesus here? Is that the gospel goes into all the world and disciples are made of every nation. In Romans chapter 10, and Jesus gives his authority to his church to do that. A church operates under the authority of Christ, but a church also can only operate according to its individual members. Therefore, you have that responsibility to make disciples. You and I both do. In Romans chapter 10, in verse 15, the Bible says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And we could go on and on and on with the, the admonition 
and our responsibility to be obedient to the Lord's commands, especially the command of the Lord to sow the seeds of the gospel. There's a duty not only to the Lord, but there's duty to self. In our text in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 says uh, that if you sow to your flesh, you're of the flesh going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. And so we have an admonition uh, and a duty to self, not to sow to our flesh. Look at verse 10 of Galatians 6. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. You know what? We have a responsibility and a duty towards our fellow man. The Scripture says, as we have opportunity, let us do good toward all men. The command of doing good to all men certainly includes sowing the seeds of the gospel to every creature. We have a responsibility towards our fellow men. But here's what I want you to remember, because the admonition is, don't be weary. Don't be weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Well, part of doing well is sowing the seeds of the gospel and that responsibility toward every man. But here's what I want you to remember, because if we are genuine and we're conscientious and we're laboring and we're trying to be obedient to the Lord and we're trying to obey the Lord's command and we're trying to be a witness for Christ and and we're doing well, we're doing good in that sense that we're being obedient, but it doesn't seem as though there's any kind of feedback and it doesn't seem as though there's any kind of response or any kind of, of, of fruit that is coming there's the opportunity for discouragement and weariness. And here's what we need to remember. We are not called to be manufacturers. We are not called to bring in fruit. We're simply called to be sowers of the seed. And so Paul says, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary in sowing the seed. We sow the seed. That's our job. That's our duty. It's the Lord of the harvest's duty to bring in the harvest. And so the admonition is, hey, hey, keep on. The admonition is don't be weary. You're doing a good thing. And we think, you know, we, we, we work and we labor in our native ministry. In the last few months, we've, we've prayed and we've, we've sowed the seed and we just don't see anything coming back. We haven't had one response in probably three months. Is it ever going to work? Is there ever going to be more than just this? Is the door to preach the gospel in some place going to open? Is there a soul that's going to be saved? And after a few months, it's like, oh, it's Great Commission Day again. I guess we're going to go to the church and we're going to fold some papers. And that's about it. That's what it boils down to. Because we're discouraged. Or we don't see the results. And the admonition is, hey, keep on. Don't be weary in well-doing. Here's the principle. Because what you sow, you are going to reap. So there's an admonition towards our duty and obedience, but there's an admonition away from weariness. He says, be not weary. The word weary means faint in heart. 
It means to be discouraged. That's what it means. We can be faint in heart and we can be discouraged in sowing. When there's an absence of, quote, results, that can be a cause for weariness. And we could have this kind of emotion or we could have this kind of thought. What's the point? I'm laboring in vain. So many don't respond. As I was saying, we had this conversation earlier. It just seems like people are just dead to the gospel. So many don't respond. But even when some do, it seems like those turn out to be untrue. Have you ever experienced that? They seem to be genuine in their response at first, but then all of a sudden they disappear. They go in a different direction. They turn out to be what we would call stony ground hearers. Go over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13 and verse 20, in the parable of the sower, Jesus is expounding on it at this point by the time you get down to verse 20 and he says but he that received the seed in stony places the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it yet hath he not root in himself but dureth for a while for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by he's offended And the explanation is you sow the seeds and some falls on stony ground and there's enough there where it it begins to, you know, to to, uh, spring up something, but then the sun comes and the sun beats down on it and because it doesn't really have root, in reality, it it, it dies, it burns up, it fades away and so on. And it's the the idea that as we're out there sowing seeds, there's going to be some who seem like they... Uh, uh, receive the word with gladness and they receive the word with joy and and it seems like ah i found something that i really need but it's not really genuine in their heart and by and by when the tribulation or the demands of the word of god really start to become known in their life because they don't really have root what does the word of god say they're offended because of the word and they disappear. Have you ever had those? There have been times when I felt discouraged like that, like doing my best to be obedient, and I'm doing well-doing and sowing and being a witness, and it seems like I've got this person to work with, and I've got that person to work with, and we're doing Bible studies, and I've got another opportunity to witness, and it seems like these people are really, really grabbing on the Word of God, and their interest is there, and, and it's moving towards salvation, and then all of a sudden, they disappear. Oh, but that's okay because I've got this one over here and I sink my efforts into this one here and I'm still working with that one there and it really seems like they're doing well and moving towards uh, salvation and God is working in their heart and then all of a sudden, they disappear. Well, that's okay. I still got this one over here that I'm working with and I'm, I'm, I'm sowing the seeds and working with them and then all of a sudden, they disappear. And it's like, what in the world is going on? And after a few times of something like that, you start to think, is it, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? 
Am I doing something that drives them away? Am I doing something, not sowing the right kind of seed, something along those lines? And the reality is that there's stony ground hearers out there. And you can start to be discouraged, but you got to remember, again, it's not my job to bring the fruit. It's my job to sow the seed. And this kind of thing can bring about discouragement and weariness and well-doing, and we can become faint of heart in our responsibility, in our mission, and in our purpose to what's the point anymore. And you know, small churches wither up and they die because they're not evangelizing anymore. People are just not responding to the gospel with genuineness. And those are the feelings that people have and feelings of discouragement. Like, how in the world was it possible that daily people were saved in the first century? Well, usually this kind of discouragement comes because our focus is on the reaping of the harvest rather than simply being faithful to what our responsibility actually is. A lack or, quote, lack of real harvest can be discouraging if we forget that it's just our job to sow. The harvest belongs to the Lord. Paul himself experienced weariness in the work. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've, I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul himself said that he experienced weariness in the work. But you know what Paul didn't experience? Not weariness of the work. He was in perils, and he experienced weariness in the work, but not of the work. He never lost heart for people. He never lost heart for his job, his, his responsibility as a minister of the gospel, as a minister of the glad tidings. He maintained a cheerful peace amid those discouragement and keeps on exhorting the saints of God to cultivate that same spirit within them. Look in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Notice Paul trying to encourage God's people. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What a great encouragement. 
Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. He gives the instruction again. Paul said concerning Christ in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 3, Paul said, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see the admonition to continue on, even though there can be weariness in the work. Paul was never weary of the work, and he never lost heart. And so the admonition of Galatians 6-9 is is an admonition away from weariness. Be not weary in well-doing. We can become weary when it doesn't seem as though much is happening. Weariness can come also from misunderstanding the ways of God. God's ways are often hidden from us. Results that we want to see don't appear at once. Wouldn't that be great if we knew what the end was or we had immediate results and we just had this continual shot in the arm of encouragement to keep on going? That's not how God works, though, sometimes. And weariness can come from misunderstanding the ways of God The Lord works in His time, in His way, and we can't always see that. Sometimes it's slowly, but it's always surely, and it's always fast enough. And we have to to realize that we can't get ahead of God just because we don't see a response. doesn't mean that God's not working. Amen? That applies in our personal life, too. Things are not going how we think they should go or how we want them to. And so we take it into our own hands rather than resting in the Lord. We may not see all that God is doing right now, but God is surely doing something. We can't get ahead of the Lord. It shows itself in the work of the Lord, not seeing the, quote, right result. So we try to manufacture one. But what does that do? It doesn't do anybody good. We, we try to do the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart, and it's going to fail. The admonition is toward our duty. Do well. But it's also away from weariness. Don't be weary in the good doing. You just keep sowing good. You just keep your eyes fixed on the Lord and on God's purpose and trust Him with the rest. And so we find the admonition, but the second thing I want to point your attention to is the assurance. So go back to Galatians chapter 6. The admonition is don't be weary. Don't be faint of heart in doing well. And here's the assurance. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season... We shall reap. What does the word due season mean? It simply means in God's time, not our time. For us, that may not even actually be in this world. Did you know that? Do you realize that? It might not even be till the next that we finally understand. Amen? We are only to be sowers here, and still we're going to reap one day. Paul said, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
So the admonition is toward well-doing. The admonition is against weariness. Why is weariness something that is, what's the word, depreciated or, or encouraged? Don't, don't, be, don't be weary. Why? Why does Paul say this? Why is weariness looked at as, as, as something of a negative? Well, there's a couple of, of principles or reasons here, and I'm going to close up with this. But here's one reason why weariness is, is, is looked at in a negative light, and Paul encourages, don't be weary. Because weariness, first of all, invites failure. Here's why. Weariness invites failure. The task before us, the job we have to do when we're weary, it becomes listless in our performance of it. Our interest begins to wane. There's no great results uh, and, and, and over time. And so we end up with, with not ever expecting anything. We don't ever expect any great result. We don't even expect people to be saved because, because we end up losing the confidence in the power of the gospel. Have you ever felt like that? Listen, the Bible says the, the gospel is the power of God. The power of God unto salvation. We lose confidence in that. What's the point? What's the point of sharing? People are just dead. We lose confidence in the power of God in the gospel. It invites failure. We don't expect people to be saved. Why would they be? It's a powerless gospel. That's our way of looking at it. But if we had the full confidence that, listen, the gospel is the power of God. It can change anything and do anything. Therefore, it can change that man's heart. There's... <laughs> How do I tell this story? There's been a little bit of a development, which I'm not sure what's going on here, but... Over the last, I don't know, two weeks maybe, probably, there's a little boy in the neighborhood who lives really close, who is at my house every single day. Every single day he wants to come over, every single day he wants to play, every single day he wants to spend the night at my house. He does not want to go home. And you can imagine all the stuff that that means or could potentially mean. And over the last couple of weeks, I started to, I feel sorry for the kid, first of all. I know a little bit about his home life. It's terrible. I've seen where he lives because I've walked him home because he won't go home, and so I have to actually have to physically take him home. I can understand why he doesn't want to be there. I can understand why he wants to be at my house every day. There's some sort of comfort that he's feeling. There's something that he is missing that's terrible in his life, and he's looking for it. You have thoughts like, what does the Lord want me to do here? You know, I feel sorry for this kid. His home life is awful. What's going on? What's happening to this kid? 
You know, you have, you have the feelings of wanting to take care of him and meet his needs and so on. And, but then the thought struck me. And you're like, you know, maybe, maybe you should pray about something like that. But then the thought struck me. You know what I actually should pray for? I should pray that the Lord uses me to win his mother to Christ and the power of the gospel to change her life, which will change his life. We lose confidence in the power of the gospel. How could somebody like that really ever get saved? Their life is a wreck. How many of you in this room, your life was a wreck before the Lord saved you? Weariness invites failure into our life. And what I'm saying is we can start to get very mechanical. We can start to get very routine. Not ever expecting the Lord to do anything and... Our service becomes mundane and it, that gradually is going to steal the very best service that we could give to the Lord. And our attitude starts to convey no inspiration, no confidence in God and His work. Rather, it depresses. And what does that end up doing? It completely robs of us of any vision for the lost because there's no power there there's no confidence there that's weariness another reason why there's an admonition away from weariness is because weariness may end up leading to sowing to the flesh and what that means is that the fleshly temporal interests of life begin to take over and begin to dominate my life. And what's my purpose and reason for living? It's not to sow down here on a temporal plane. You following me? And thirdly, it ultimately is dishonoring to Jesus Christ. Verse 14 of Galatians 6 says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I to the world. God forbid that there should be anything that I would glory in except for the cross, because this world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. And we ask the question then, is there anything of value outside of Jesus Christ? Is there anything of real value about your life outside of Jesus Christ? I'm almost done. Stay awake. Ask the question. Examine your life. What grabs you? What holds you? What holds your interest? And when we're sowing fleshly on this temporal plane, it dishonors the Lord. And listen, our life then becomes of no value. 
not in eternity. And we'll end up being saved, yes, yet so as by fire. Our life's work is going to be burned up. Our life ought to be lived in Christ, our ambitions toward Christ. So, when those feelings come, remember the admonition. Be not weary. Don't be faint of heart. Don't be discouraged in well-doing, in the thing that is good and valuable and beautiful in God's eyes. Keep sowing. Keep going. And in God's time, it's an unchangeable law, we shall reap. Because He's the Lord of the harvest. Amen? I want to encourage you as we get closer to our missions conference, start asking the Lord to soften your heart again or to work in you and to, and to create some, some passion and some vision and some desire inside of you for the very purpose for which we exist. Ask the Lord to work in your heart. Let's not just drift from one activity or event to the next. That might be an indication of some weariness. Everything's just mundane. Everything is just, this is the routine. And our attitude begins to convey something. Amen? Let's ask the Lord for His help. And let's just keep on doing well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, encourage us today, we pray, with these thoughts. And there might be some who felt, what's the point? What's the use? People don't listen anyway. People are dead to the gospel, and we drive on by. We have no confidence in the power of the gospel. We have no vision that people need the Lord. And every day, they pass us by. It's so easy to fall into that trap and to be weary and faint of heart. And it invites failure. And it causes us to begin to sow more to the flesh on a temporal plane of things that don't really have any value in eternity. And then ultimately, we dishonor Christ, who suffered. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us and refocus our vision, our priority. And Lord, give us a, an encouragement, a shot in the arm. Keep going, keep sowing in due season, in God's time. Whether that's here or whether that's in eternity, we shall reap if we faint not. In Jesus' name, amen.